Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, uh, recently there was another release of statistics that have come out. And as we do, uh, when these statistics come out, we want to cover them because they are important for us to know what is happening in the church today. And so um, the American Bible Society, just about every year, they come out with uh, their what they call the state of the Bible. So this is American Bible Society 2023 state of the Bible. And so in this episode, I'm going to report, literally, I'm going to be reading from a large portion of the report and then offering some comments and some thoughts on it as I do on these episodes. And so I hope that this is helpful to you. I know that you guys appreciate it. Even if it is discouraging, we have to remember that the word of God, Isaiah 55, 11, will not return without void. Hebrews 4, 12 says that the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And we need to remember that the Holy Spirit aims to take the word that we hear and that we read and we study and we meditate and that we memorize And he's aiming to take it and to drill it deeper and deeper into our hearts and into our lives. And so um, as we come to this report, they, they want you to know, the American Bible Society wants you to know three things. When people engage deeply with the Bible, their lives and their relationships are better. In other words, they mean they flourish. Second, fewer people in America are engaging with the Bible. Scripture engagement is not rising. It continues on a downward trajectory, they said. And third, there's signs of hope. What they call the movable middle has rebounded and Bible disengagement has fallen in the last year. And they also talk about persevering hope, that is, continuing on. They they define this as the motivation to persevere in the face of seemingly unlikely or even impossible goals. And so as the report summarizes, uh, I can do this. Um, I will find a way to get this done, and persevering hope says I can and will keep going regardless of the outcome. And so they included four questions connected to persevering hope. People were asked to rate each response on a scale of one, not at all, to five. That is a scale of agreement. And they asked, "When when an outcome I desire seems unlikely or even impossible, am I determined to see things to the end? Will I keep trying? I won't give up. I am motivated to wait for a successful outcome. And so responses are averaged to a yield of persevering hope scale from one to five. And in the state of the Bible data, the average overall score on this was 3.8. In most people groups, the average score varied very little, maybe a tenth of a point higher or lower they report. Male and female respondents had an equal score of 3.8. 
generational differences were minuscule. Boomers were up a tenth, 3.9. Elders down a tenth, 3.7. And the only geographical blip was in the Northeast, slipping to 3.7. And so no great variances to report on except scripture-engaged people who outscored everyone else. And we can see this even looking to the New Testament. First Peter was written to Christians facing opposition for their faith. First Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that you have and to do it with gentleness and respect. And so we can say in light of life's challenges, believers displayed a persevering hope that was noteworthy, prompting questions about where it came from today. And the research that they report on it suggests that this is still true today. Now, as we move forward and talk about Bible use, they ask the question, how often do people read the Bible? Well, not as often as they used to, they say. Frequency and Bible interaction to them is just one of three factors that goes into the American Bible Association's scripture engagement metric. But it's a good place to start. And we can take a quick take on our society's exposure to scripture and compare this statistics from year to year for various reasons including the fact that many people hear the bible read to them or view it in various forms we talk about using the bible and not just reading it for most of the last decade they tell us about half of the americans americans said they used the bible three or four more times per year this qualified them by american bible's definition as bible users in their last year's poll, that number dropped 10 points. Only two in five Americans, 39%, were Bible users. They were hoping that this was a glitch, but the 2023 response matched last year's low point, which was 39%. And considering that the state of the Bible polling is done in January, we can assume then, according to them, that responses cover most of the previous year. And so the recent high point of 50% Bible usage occurred in 2020, a year when many people were cooped up with home with little else to do. And the next two years saw a return to activity for many people, and for a tenth of the population, the Bible was not part of their daily routine. And despite the downturn in Bible usage, we can still say that 63 million Americans, adults, 24%, use the Bible on their own outside of a church service at least once a week. Now, I want to I want to say something about that. 24 think about that. 24% of people use the Bible on their own outside of a church service at least once a week. Friends, we have to be honest here about that statistic. That is yes, um it, it is encouraging that you know, 63 million Americans, <coughs> 24% use the Bible at least once a week. But we have to be honest, that is actually pretty low. You know, we we as American Christians, we should be use we should be reading, we should be studying, we should be meditating on the word as Psalm 1 tells us about the regular habitual pattern of our lives and how we're to be shaped by delight in the word that God has given to us in the 66 books. That's the only way that we can know God. Uh, scripture is. And so how else can we know God? How else can we know his purposes? How else can we know, uh, have a worldview that's 
being shaped by the Bible, grounded in and shaped, and then seeing life through a biblical life view. How, how else can we engage in life? Um, how else can we grow in godliness? Uh, we I've said already that Scripture is the primary means that the Holy Spirit uses to help us to grow to be like Christ. And so we need the Word, as I've said on this show many times. We need, it, we need the Bible like we need food and water um, and sleep. We need uh, the Bible as a necessity for our life. Now, returning back to this study profile of Bible users who we can ask the question, they do, who are these Bible users, the two in five Americans who come to Scripture at least three times a year? Women, 41% are more likely to be Bible users than men, 36%. Never married people, 30%, are least likely to use the Bible. But interestingly, people who are separated, 52%, are most likely. African Americans, 57%, are most likely to be Bible users. Well, uh, Asian Americans, 27%, and white, 35%, are least likely. Bible use seems to increase with age. Elders, 48%, are most likely, and Generation Z, 30%, least likely to turn to Scripture. And with regard to religious identity, evangelicals, 70%, African Americans, 68%, Protestant denominations lead the way in Bible use, 37% of Catholics use the Bible. And there are goals and there are challenges that, so that when people interact with the Bible, we must ask, what are they looking for? What drives them to the Scripture, and what factors keep uh, Bible use from being an optimal experience? Well, the American Bible Society uh, asked about people's motivation and even frustrations. Bible users were given seven options to complete the sentence, I use the Bible because they had to choose, they had to choose only one. Far and away, they report the most popular response, 47%, was it brings me close to God. Others said they need wisdom for making life decisions, 20%, or they need comfort, 15%. No other response was chosen by even one-tenth of that group. The subgroup most likely to choose, I need comfort, was Generation Z at 24%. And this confirms what the American Bible Society has seen for several years now. These are the stressful times for the, most, for the youngest participants in our survey, and many looked to the Bible to help them through it. And they also asked everyone in the survey, which of the following would you say are your top two most significant frustrations when it comes to reading the Bible on your own? And they provided multiple options. Four of the options were chosen by at least one-tenth of the respondents, with more than a quarter choosing not enough time, 26%. And so as we look more closely at the responses of the Bible disengaged, the semi-engaged group, they call the movable middle, they found some fascinating divergence. When time was an issue across the board, nearly a third of the Bible disengaged group blamed lack of excitement about reading Scripture, 32%. Well, we should give them uh, uh, points for being honest. The Bible isn't an integral part of their lives because they have no desire driving them to it. They don't find it exciting. In the movable middle, common responses were, I don't know where to start, 22%. Uh, Difficult relating to language, 18%. 
This creates a game plan for teachers, preachers, and even publishers of Christian material. Would significant portions of the movable middle be wooed into meaningful but scriptural engagement if you provide a clear starting point and even more, more readable resources, uh, the American Bible uh, Society says. And people were asked, do you wish you used the Bible more? And more than half of those surveyed said yes, 52%. This simple question cuts across categories. A surprising number of Bible disengaged and even non-Bible users answered affirmatively. Even if Bible reading is not a part of their lives, they still feel it might be a good thing to do more of it. And in the movable middle, that sleeping giant of a category, about 5 of 6, 83% say yes to this wish. And now granted, this is a little bit like asking, they say, do you wish you exercise more? Wishing and doing are two different enterprises, but it's still important to know that there is a desire there. And whatever we could do to increase excitement out of the Bible, explain the language, or show where to start it, it might move the needle a bit. Now, I'm going to stop here for just a minute and say a few things about this. This is one of the reasons why I think we need to talk to people about delighting in the Bible. Why we need to stress that the only way to know God, the only way to grow in his grace, the only way to know that the plan and the purpose that God has for you is to know God as he's revealed himself in the word. And this takes us past, I think the mentality is, you know what, if I just read the Bible, it's just going to become another thing to do. It's just going to become another chore for me to engage in. And this is why I, I talk about Bible reading as delight. You're delighting to get to know, by reading the Bible, you're delighting to get to know the God who has revealed himself to you in his word. There's no other way to know the Bible, no other way to know God, I should say, than as he's revealed himself in Scripture. This takes us well past the idea of Bible reading as a chore, as a duty, as something that I have to do. And also, this is why I talk about uh, on this show very often about starting at five minutes a day. Start with five minutes, five to ten minutes a day. Read the Bible for five to ten minutes a day or listen to it on your drive. Spend five, ten minutes of prayer. So you've spent 20 minutes out of the 24 hours that you have in a day. Okay, so maybe you're awake for, let's say you go to work eight hours a day. And then after work, let's say you work nine to five. So, you know, you you spend that 20 minutes on your drive to work. You read the Bible. You spend some time in prayer as well. So there's 20 minutes out of your time to drive. Then on your way back, maybe you listen to the Bible some more. You listen to a podcast. So you've spent maybe an hour a day in, in the Bible or in some sort of related Bible content to help you to grow in the Scripture, your knowledge of Scripture. Okay, so, so if in this scenario, you have a 9 to 5 schedule. So maybe you wake up at 7, okay? Great. You leave by 8 o'clock. You're there at work plenty early. You know, let's go with that. All right, so you get off at 5. You're driving back home. You listen to a podcast, maybe for 30 minutes or so. Okay, great. Uh, you make dinner. Dinner's ready by 6.30, okay? Let's say your wife made it. 
Great. Um, you have now between 6.30 and 9 or 10 to spend with your spouse. And if you have kids, great. Spend time with your kids. Okay, so that is plenty of time every day to, you got up at 7, so you were you were up for about 15 hours of the 24 hours uh, in a day. That is more than enough time in that scenario, even if that's not your schedule. Let, let's just say you're up for 14 to 15 hours of a day, every day. Take, th- take 20 minutes out of that 15 hours that you're awake whether you're reading the Bible at breakfast, at lunch, at dinner, or, or before breakfast, or, or at lunch, or all three. Spend a little bit of time on your break, even, reading the Bible, listening to the Bible, taking in some content, or, or praying on a break. These kind of things can help you. These kind of things can overcome the challenges. If, if I'm going to be really honest that when I read this, you know, when when um, we talk about, it, it takes a little bit of work to start reading the Bible. It takes about 30 days to get a real habit to start it. If you really want to have a habit formed, they've done research on it. It's about 60 to 90 days. Those first 30 days are going to be pivotal for you, whether you're reading or you're listening to the Bible, to start. If you need a place to start, Listen or read the Gospel of John over and over and over again. This is another reason why, if you're uh, at a church, your pastor should be preaching through books of the Bible, verse by verse, line by line, okay? Read or listen to that book of the Bible over and over and over again. Become acclimated to, you know, what that book is all about. And the more that you read it and the more that you study it, the more that you take it in, the more your comprehension is going to be. Now, one of the things about what we just talked about, uh, about the Bible disengaged, is, is it seems, and, I, and I'm not trying to read into this, because they say um, lack of excitement about the Bible reading. They don't see this as a necessity for their life. That, to be honest, is very concerning. One of the things that the Holy Spirit is aiming, when, when I should say this, when, when we are given, when, when, when uh, our heart of stone is replaced with a new heart, with new desires and new affections, what, we, what the Holy Spirit does is he places us in us a desire, a desire for the things that he loves. God loves his word. He loves his church. And he loves his people whom he redeemed. We as Christians should long for more of the word, not less of the word. The word should be, the word is, is, is where we should be grounded and we're shaped to become more like Christ. And so we don't need less of the Bible. We need more of the Bible. And so when this, when this um, survey, these statistics talk about how the Bible isn't an integral part of the Christian life, that is uh, deeply concerning to me as a Christian leader, as somebody who teaches the Bible, because I, I, I think that as Christians, we should long for the Word. We should have a hunger for it. And the more that 
more that we're growing in Christ, the more that we're going to grow in our hunger for the word. We're going we're gonna to want more of it, not less of it. And so what this statistic concerns me with is, is, is if that's true of these uh, people that were surveyed, and, and it gives a broad sample, this survey gives a broad sample, then we got a problem because many people are lethargic. They're stagnant in their growth. And as Christians, we are never to be stagnant. We are, Peter commands us because of the grace of God and because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in 2 Peter 3.18, we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We got to be in the Bible. We got to be reading and studying and meditating and memorizing and hearing the word preached uh, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Well, now moving on. A Bible influence for years, the American Bible Society uh, have asked Americans to imagine their nation without the Bible. The asking this, if people of our country were not to read the Bible, do you think our country would be worse off, better off, or about the same? And the results have been consistent. While some observers assume there's a growing animosity towards the Bible, they don't see that on this question. Only about 1 in 7, 14%, say a Bibleless America would be better. Three times that many, 40%, 44%, take that opposite view that Americans would be worse off without Bible reading. Nearly that same number, 41%, say there would be little change. And it's worth noting that more than a quarter of non-Bible users say that the country would be worse off without it. They don't interact with Scripture themselves even three times a year, but they seem glad to do other uh, seemed glad that others do. And so looking at responses to the question over the last four years, they find an interesting bulge in the data. Remember that the surveys in 2020 and 2021 taken in January reflect the attitudes and experiences of the previous year. And so in 2019 and 20, America saw considerable cultural conflict, they'd say, political campaigns, pro protests about racial injustice, justice, responses to a pandemic, closures of schools and churches. And in that context, we might assume more people recognize how much more the country need biblical guidance and more than half the country said they would be worse off without the Bible, 54% in the 2021 poll. And in the two years since, those concerns have leveled off. And when asked to choose the main reason for the decline, the most popular answer was a lack of positive parental involvement, 26%. This response made a strong showing in every generation, though people over 40 were most likely to say the following. Negative influence of media, movies, or music, 23%, was the second most chosen response, filled by, mostly by Generation Z, 31%, and Millennials, 30%. And the third most chosen response was unhealthy reliance on social media for information on current events, 16%, with Gen Z leading the way. Only one in seven respondents, 14%, blamed low level of respect for the Bible as a guide for moral development as a main reason for the decline, and most of them were scriptural engaged. It should be no surprise then that this was by far the leading answer among those whose lives are shaped by scripture. Take this in for a minute. They, they want you to take this in. A huge proportion of Americans, 86%, see the country in a moral decline. These are all people of all religions or none at all. They see the downslide, but they can't agree on what the problem is. Parents, 
music, social media, all of these may contribute to the problem, but there's one diagnosis recognized only by a select group. Those who know and love the Bible understand its power as a guide for moral development. They see that the moral decline of America parallels the decline of scriptural engagement in America. And so they ask the question, could the nation's moral decline be slowed or even reversed by greater attention to scripture? That thesis might find greater uh, agreement than we expect. In fact, scriptural engagement. And so we've talked about Bible users, those who interact with Scripture on their own at least three times a year. That's a low, low bar. We have to be honest about it. But they said they've set the bar much higher with the definition of scriptural engagement. And this metric considers not only the frequency of Bible use, but also Scripture's impact on a person's relationship with God and with others as well as its centrality in daily decision-making. And so 14 questions in the survey that they've given are listed and tested to yield a scriptural engagement score. And so uh, this, is, this is really important. Uh, the 2020 survey with data collected just before the pandemic uh, began showed scriptural engagement at a high point with 70 million American adults, 28%, engaging in the Bible. Less than half the population, 47%, was in the Bible disengaged category. In 2021, with the pandemic in full swing, they saw massive growth in the movable middle coming mostly from uh, the ranks of the disengaged. And so the American Bible Society theorized that many of the challenges of 2020 made people turn to the Bible, at least casually. And yet the same survey showed a moderate drop uh, among the scripture engaged. Perhaps those same challenges made it more difficult for these people to maintain their more rigorous Bible habits. Now, last year's survey of the American Bible Society administered when recovery was underway. uh, This was a gut punch with soaring numbers for the Bible disengaged. The chart for the scriptural engaged fell off a cliff, they reported. Now only 49 million Americans were scripturally engaged. Could this be a temporary downturn, they asked. Maybe 2021 was a year of rebuilding. People were busy putting their lives back together. Apparently, they were just too busy for the Bible. And so they hoped that eventually they would rebuild their lives around a renewed interaction with Scripture. And uh, they're still hoping, and I'm still hoping for that. And the latest state of the Bible shows a very slight drop in scriptural engagement, not the bounce back they and I hoped for. And once again, fewer than one in five Americans, 18%, were scriptural engaged. And yet there's good news here because the movable middle moved again, they say, this time upward. And it seems that about 10 million of last year's Bible disengaged have migrated to the middle group, indicating a certain level of Bible interaction, though um, indicating a certain level of Bible interaction, though short of that full engagement. Now, if we drill down deeper into the data, they said, they find another trend that offers some hope. The scriptural engagement score is based on questions about Bible reading frequency, impact on relationships, and the centrality in decision-making. And so if you break down these responses as they do into those three factors, they say that they find a curious trend among the Bible disengaged. While the numbers are still low, that's what puts them in that category, we see a substantial improvement over the last year in their scores for centrality and impact. And that leads us to say, not only are there 10 million fewer Bible disengaged Americans than there were last year, there aren't as many disengaged as they used to be. 
And if the trend continues, we might even see more migration into the movable middle in 2024. Now, Bible curiosity throughout the book of Acts, um, you're going to find this on every page. Curiosity from Jerusalem to Athens and dozens of stops in between. People clamored to know about Jesus and the scriptures. That hasn't changed. The State of the Bible survey indicated that nearly three in four Americans, 71% are curious about the Bible. And so it's, 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 it's true that we can be discouraged that scriptural engagement is down, but curiosity about what scripture teaches is still very high. It's easy to write off the Bible disengage, assuming they'll never care about scripture, but they might not be as far away as we think. While two in five of the Bible disengaged, 39%, say they're not curious at all about Jesus or the Bible, that means that a substantial majority, 61%, claims some level of curiosity. In fact, more than a quarter of that group, 27%, say they're very or even extremely curious. And now the movable middle is awash in curiosity with more than two-thirds or 68% very or extremely curious and only a smidgen 3% not curious at all. And now granted, there's a difference between wondering and actively searching, but we have to be honest, this is a start. Curiosity is a growing platform for Bible ministry in the U.S. How are we going to respond? And so they, they offer some suggestions here as we wrap up this episode. Uh, listening, they say, has never been more important. Consider ways to ask your congregation and the community about their own Bible practices, their own motivations, their own frustrations about the Bible. And then see what you can do to help provide resources for them, answer questions. They maybe, maybe even have a seminar, maybe even have a Sunday school class. Is the Bible, uh, ask, is the Bible an important component of a child's character development? Churches have long operated on the assumption that people believed it was. Young adults might drift away from the church, but they come back when they had kids, or so the assumption goes. These data, uh, th- this data questions that assumption. We're going to need to make a strong case for the positive ways that the Bible shapes character and grounds persevering hope. We need to show people, especially those under 25, they say, how to start reading Scripture. Now, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here with this. And just say that stop with American Bible Society and just comment on this as a whole. Now, we're living in a time, friends, when Bible illiteracy, Bible engagement, and all of it is, you know, it's, 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 it's discouraging. It's discouraging. We want to see people engage with the Bible. We want to see them not just do it three times a year. We want to see it be a regular pattern of their lives with their reading and studying and memorizing and meditating on the Word every day, every day you know, where we're taking in the scripture, where on the Lord's day, we're hearing it preached verse by verse and line by line and being pointed to Christ and it helped and equipped in the word, right? That is what we should long for. That is, should be Psalm 1 again, tells us that the regular habitual pattern of the godly, those who are in Christ, are is those who are being grounded and shaped by the word that they hear preached, on the Lord's Day on Sunday, and that the rest of the week they're reading and they're studying and they're meditating on and they're taking it in privately. And so, friends, I want to say, as we always do on these types of things, we should not be discouraged by these statistics. Rather, the right way to use these statistics is to use these as a reminder for ourselves first. 
that we ourselves need to be in the Bible every day. It's a delightful duty. God has revealed himself in his word. And so we can get to know God as he's revealed himself in the 66 books of the word of God. This is why if you're a pastor, if you're a Bible teacher, I want to encourage you from the pulpit when you're teaching, encourage the people that you're teaching to get into the Bible. Small group leader, encourage people to get in the Bible. Equip them to get into the word. Even if you do sermon prep, you can say, hey, you know what? This this point was really interesting. This is how he got to that point. These are the resources. These are the tools. These are some of the things. These things help people. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us that we are to be to commit ourselves to that end, to rightly handle the word of God. That's why on this show we talk so much about reading and studying and meditating and memorizing the word. This is why we talk about theological topics. This is why we also talk about theological trends. This is also why we talk about false teachers. All of these things are meant to be a trustworthy, provide, uh, from my vantage point, a trustworthy resource for you so that you can yourself dig in to God's word yourself. You yourself can grow in sound theology, more understanding and knowledge of not only what the Bible says, but also what the church has taught. All of these things are very important for your life, for your godliness. Because, you know what, there's no other way to know God than as he's revealed himself in his word. Scripture reveals the person and work of Jesus from Genesis to Revelation and everywhere in between, as we've often considered on this show. And the purpose of this is so that we would be grounded and we would be shaped in and by the Word, so that we might be an effective instrument of God's grace in wherever He has placed us, in our workplaces, in our churches, in our communities, uh, so that so that we will represent Christ in a manner that is not only consistent, but it also bears fruit. Apart from him, Jesus said in John 15, we can, we can do nothing. We need the help of Christ. We need the help of his word, which his spirit uses to help us to conform more and more into the image of Christ. And so I know that these statistics, they are distressing, they're discouraging, but be encouraged even so. The Lord is still building his church. The Lord is still sovereign over all of history. He is the king eternal, and he is building the church, the church. And Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen? So be profoundly encouraged and yourself commit to reading, studying, meditating on the word and hearing it preached from the pulpit every Sunday. If you're not hearing the word preached verse by verse, line by line, find another church that is committed to expository preaching. This is so important. Friends, there are so many things to say about this report. But as always, I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Equipping and Grace podcast. Until next Monday and Wednesday, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, 
and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.